This is Cat's podcast, episode number 26. Welcome to my podcast, everyone. I'm Cat. I'm your host. I'm super happy to have you here today. I'm in Vienna at the moment and today's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. There's so much more energy around compared to two months ago. I'm loving it. And since this is the first podcast in 2021, I want to send you some of these sunny vibes and good vibes. And I really hope you had a good start to the new year. And I hope you're well and healthy despite everything going on. So thanks again for tuning in. For those of you who are here for the first time, what is my podcast about? So one big part is freedom, talking about freedom, discussing freedom. And I have super inspiring people on my show. They share their personal stories, stories that are centered around the value of freedom. And they show you that you can live in a different way if you want to. And if freedom is one of your core values, there are ways to live it and to express it and to follow that quest but with my podcast i also want to show alternative and more holistic ways of living and thinking because oftentimes we are not aware that there are other solutions out there and that we don't have to stick to this one way that might not work for us and I've touched on holistic health and holistic lifestyle a few times. I'll link to a few episodes in the show notes. But, well, looking at it, holistic, what does this mean? It means that everything is connected, that we can't separate one part of our life from another. We can't separate what we eat, for example, from our health, and we can't separate how we deal with stress from the state of our mind. And today's episode is picking up on that, on this universal truth and looking at it from the perspective of an athlete and yogi. Jonas Plus is my guest today. He's a certified Tantric Hatha Yoga teacher and Ayurvedic consultant, but he's also a former 400 meter runner, Olympic participant and finalist in the World Championships. He was a member of the German national team for 10 years. So I would say it's safe to say he knows what the professional sports world looks like and what an athlete feels like, how she or he trains and so on. And pairing this with his no yoga knowledge and experience, he is able to see where there's unused potential in the lives of athletes how they could perform better when they were able to make the link between what they did outside their training sessions and what impact this has on their bodies, minds, performance, overall health and life. And he just brought out a new program. It's called Yoga for Athletes. And this is bundling all his knowledge and life experience. And of course, we're diving into that. We're diving into what's behind it and why it's more than just another element to your training, helping you perform better in your next competition. And of course, we're gonna talk about Yuna's own inspiring story. 
and how yoga helped Jonas overcome physical pain. We also talk about, to just name a few things, the connection between yoga and Ayurveda and what Ayurveda is, the development of imbalances, for example, why traveling, training and eating popcorn might bring you out of balance and what you can do about it. We talk about dis-ease as pre-stage of disease as we know it in the Western world. And we're going to talk about mind, mindset and how yoga can help you calm down and focus and I'm sure this is something not just for athletes. So this episode might be especially for athletes but it's also great for non-athletes or anyone who is looking to connect the dots and understand their bodies minds and overall health better. I'm super grateful to have Jonas on the show because his own story is really showing that ultimately it's not about the sprint or the next competition but about life and performance on a bigger level. So stay tuned and make sure to stay tuned until the end because Jonas has a special offer for you. And now, enjoy this conversation. Welcome to my podcast, Jonas. I'm super happy to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm super excited. <laughs> so you're here to talk about bridging two worlds the worlds of professional sports and the world of yoga and those are your two worlds which you are bringing together now in your new program yoga for athletes and before we dive into the details I would love you to tell us a little bit about who you are so the listeners um know where you come from and how long you've been an athlete and well then also what brought you to yoga eventually yeah um long story potentially long story a, a lot <laughs> of things happened along the way so yeah like you already introduced me i'm jonas uh, i'm german um i i grew up uh, in the south of germany uh, close to the mountains close to the alps And basically already in my, my kindergarten days, I've been very active, very sporty. I've had the chance to have uh, sporty parents. My dad used to play basketball. My mom was working um, in a gym as an back then aerobic instructor. I don't know if they still exist, but uh, back in the days they did. And yeah, aerobics, I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, the 90s. Yeah, and, um, Yeah, I also spend a lot of time with my grandparents. and My grandpa, he had a big uh, backyard and he, he basically like motivated me to try out different kinds of sports. So whatever I could kind of dream up, like we, we practiced it. We played soccer, we did high jump, we threw javelins, shot pot, uh, gymnastics, table tennis, ice skating, skiing, like really like all of it. And I think it really like further down the road, it really uh, benefited me that I had had an opportunity to try out all of those sports at the age of three, four, five, six. 
Um, but then when I was around six, my, my parents um, said like, yeah, maybe we, we pick one, one of those sports. And of course, because of my dad playing basketball, me as a, a little boy growing up, looking up to your dad, of course, you, you want to do the same. And that's why they signed me up for a basketball club. And, and I basically, for the next yeah, 10, 10 years, my life all revolved around uh, basketball, playing with different teams, um, indoors, outdoors. Um, I played in a few like regional selections, some tournaments here and there. And then when I was... When I was 16, my, my parents brought up the idea of me going to the U.S. for one year. And um, because of my love for basketball, I, I agreed. And I wanted to become the best basketball player of all times. And I felt like, well, for that, you have to go to the U.S. So I did. Um, but I would say only like two, three days into my year. I was told that I would not be able to practice basketball all year round or play basketball, that I had to choose different sports as well because the school only offered basketball in the second and third quarter of the school year. So I had the first and the fourth. And then in the first one, I decided to sign up for cross country. I turned into the second fastest cross country runner. And then I played basketball. Um, I was average for American standards. I was definitely only an average player, uh, which was fine as well because then came spring. Um, everybody talked me into trying out track and field. And mm -hmm. I definitely did my find my talent there. I qualified for the Illinois State Championships and competed in the 100, 200, 400 meters and my my coach over in the US he he wrote me a note at my farewell party that basically said like please Jonas keep on running i i know you don't like it but you have a lot of talent and i would love you to experience one day how big this talent actually is and when i came back um all my friends from before kind of moved on with their lives and i didn't have too many people to hang out with and in this was actually 11 months in the US, I, I've had an opportunity to hang out with my friends almost 24-7. So we went to school together after school. We went to training together. We competed together in, in the evenings, weekends. We went to the movies, to the bowling alley. So I, I really love the community aspects of this. And mm -hmm. then I was looking for something similar in Germany as well. And in my hometown, there, there was a team, a coach, that had a team um, and they practiced six times a week together. So I, I called him up and I asked if I could come for a tryout. And then after this one session, he was like, yes, you are talented. Um, I would love to have you on the team. And then basically within a day, I decided, okay, like basketball is now over. Let's try this thing. Um, was I, I believe in the beginning it was tough for my my parents um, because I just switched from one day to the other. Um, but I told them that I, like, I have more talent doing this. I tried the other one. I'm good, but I have more talent doing this. And was that was actually. Something, the so was that something that you felt in your gut as well? Yeah, in a way, 
in a way, yes, because I knew like what I did in the US um, was not proper, proper training. Um, the season was nine weeks. So basically you start the first week to prepare for a competition that would happen two weeks later. And you cannot do much. Like either you're talented and you're going to do well or you don't have talent, but there's no time to train. Um, so either you're good or you're not. And I, I was good even without training much. So I knew if I really focus on this and I uh, would take the time um, to prepare for a big competition for whatever, five, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months, I could be really good. And so I, I did have this feeling like I'm, I'm, gonna be way better than the average um and yeah and then um the first year first year i was still trying out because the team i joined was a um decathlon kind of team so i did a little bit of long jumping a little bit of shot pot but then my coach said after after a few months like yeah you are you are made for 400 meters um mm -hmm. so then i focused on that and then i only had like the whatever it was four or five months um, to really prepare for a 400 meter event. And I took second place at the German youth national championships. Um, and then the following year was my first junior year. And that year I actually prepared for it for, for 10 months and, and I won, won it. Like that was 2000 and six yeah 2006 so my first junior year i won the national junior championships and then the following year um, they kind of selected me for the national team and in my third year i actually went to to world championships to japan with our like man's uh four by 400 meter relay and from then wow. on i basically stayed in the national team for 10 years competing in another um, three world championships, three European championships, and the 2012 Olympics. So the, the first years were really crazy because like, I wasn't worrying too much. I just went to one competition after the other. And every week, every other week was a new personal best, new personal best, new personal best. Mm -hmm. Just kept on getting better. Yeah, that, that was well, interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. And how how was that to be at the world championships at such a young age and you know progressing that fast like getting there in a flash basically? How did that yeah. feel? Um, surreal, to be honest, it felt very surreal because many of the people that I bumped into uh, at those world championships that I met in the hotel on the bus, like I knew them from TV, and all of a sudden I'm. Well, I was not on the same level as them, but I was also a participant in the same competition. And um, it felt more like I was given a wild card um, to to be there. So I, I, on one hand, I knew I deserved it. I worked hard for it. I did have some talent. I was 21. Um, but then I was sitting there like one of, one of my relay mates. He had won a silver medal in the, Uh, world championships a few years before and all of a sudden he's one of my teammates he was um, let me think he was 
11 years older than me. And from before playing basketball, I was used to having my teammates being either a year older or a year younger, but never like kind of like big brother, 11 years older. And I was traveling with them and they had so much experience. And I, I also, one, one day I was in the bus sitting next to Asafa Powell for, for those of you that um, don't know Asafa Powell. It was basically the number one uh, Jamaican 100 meter runner before the generation of Usain Bolt. And I was sitting next to him, talking to him as he was eating his burger and he offered me a bite. Um, and I was just like, what is happening here? Um, I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was crazy. It was, it was definitely crazy. And I think on top of it, it was also something that I never experienced at any other world championship. It's just the, the audience and the culture in Japan, because they would see our bosses, they were printed with Osaka world championships. And whenever somebody in the street saw the bus, they would stop with kids and just wave. And, or you go somewhere in a shopping mall and you had your, your tag, your accreditation, they would see you, they would know you're like pro athlete. And they would just, even without knowing you, they would walk up to you and say, can I take a picture with you? And that was something that was very, very new to me that people just walk up to you and want to take pictures with you. Um, so yeah, yeah, very, yeah. Fascinating times back then. Definitely. Mm, yeah. It sounds like that, like a really intense, intense few years, I guess. But so all in all, you have been on the national team for 10 years, right? For, for 10 years, yeah. I basically, I picked up running, 400 meter running. Um, yeah. And two years later, I joined the national team. Um, so I was a professional runner for 12 years and 10 out of those 12 as part of the national team. Mm. sounds crazy when i say it like this it sounds crazy but while you're in there you're just like one year after the other like ticking boxes like season number three in the book season number four and in a way you already know like okay there's a limit to this as a professional athlete you just try to hang in there as long as you you can but especially as a sprinter you know like you will peak at around 25 26 and then Let's see how many seasons you can do after that. So there is already like a little bit of time pressure. Um, but yeah, now looking back, those years went by so fast. But while you're right within and in them and experiencing them and every single training session, every warm up, every coordination exercise you do, it's like it feels like a very, very long time, especially when the practices and the sessions get tough. <laughs> then they are never ending yeah yeah and so how did you get on so you said world championships at a really young age and then you went even to the olympics now looking back how do you perceive your athletic career and then at one point yoga entered i think yoga entered when you were still competing as an athlete mm. right yeah yeah um how do i perceive it so um i see it now as, as different phases what i basically explained before is the first phase where 
I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> my, <laughs> my coach just um, wrote my, my training plans for me. And I knew, especially after those first world championships, I knew, okay, if I follow his instructions, I'm going to have these kind of experiences on a regular basis. Um, so I, I, I trusted him and we actually worked together for the entirety of the 12 years. I think that's also something that's very uncommon because usually like you have a not so good year and you look for a new coach and then you switch and you try on new things. But I said, like, we already have a few years of experience. Like if there's a not so good year, then there's also some learnings and teachings hidden, hidden in that. And if I were to go to a different coach, we would start from scratch again. So I, I always like, I always knew what I had in him and um, also the willingness to, to grow together as kind of a um, coach and athlete team. And he also pushed me to become more self-reliant in a way to, to do my own research, to learn. So over time, it kind of transitioned from in the beginning, him writing training plans, sending them to me, giving them to me and me just doing them. And then there was the second stage where I had made already my, my own experiences. I knew what was working, what was feeling good, what was not feeling good. I also did some reading and studying myself. So I started questioning. He sent me the sessions and I said like, Nah, I don't think that's good. No, I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it that way. So this middle part of my career was kind of like a bargain in a way. Like he gives me something and I like some back and forth. And then the last years, <laughs> like and that's like also bargain. when yoga. And the, the last section, the last years, um, that was also when yoga entered the scene. Um, it was the complete opposite um, because I was basically writing my training plans and I said like, Oh, we've done this in the past. And I think now we have to do it like this and that and here yoga. And, and then I put it everything together. Um, I even, I even um, put references like this was written in this study and that study in this book. And then I send it to him. And then he said like, this looks great. If you feel this is the right way, then do it. But maybe on that Thursday, instead of eight times 600, I would do five times 500. And then I would say, why? And then he would explain and I go, okay, you're right. And that's how the last four, roughly four years of, of my career um, were like. And, and that was great. And such an amazing learning experience for me, not only as an athlete, but as a, well, in a way, as a human, it sounds big, but and I think I also took some of this into the way I, that I teach yoga. I like people to understand what they're doing. And especially mm -hmm. in sports and in a way in yoga as well, you have the teacher and the teacher is like sacred, whatever he or she says, the student just follows, but I'm different. I'm, I always think because from my own experience, I want to understand what I'm doing. So I always give my students some background knowledge. We're doing this because... Because in my experience, that makes it so much more effective. If you're like mentally like understanding and yeah, there's a point to it. That is why we're doing it. Then 
you're you're not just following the instructions. You know why you're doing it, and and um, it will help the the overall experience and, ex, um, and and efficiency, efficiency and effectiveness of what you're doing. Yeah, and yeah, like I mentioned, because uh, you you brought it up, the yoga. Um, so when did yoga um, enter my life? That that was. Um, around 2012 actually it was the fall of 2012 um because at that time i um had finished my um university career career if you want to call it that um i just about a month before the olympics i had handed in my my master thesis um and then after the olympics that was august um, I, I moved moved towns. I started working in a company part time, so I would always uh, work in the mornings four hours, usually from nine to one. When everybody went on uh, lunch break, I would go home, uh, grab something to eat on the way, and then go off to to practice. And I had also picked up another um, like long distance online. Uh, BA program so I would spend the evenings sitting there uh, with my computer for another three to four hours uh, basically every day so all of a sudden I spend seven to eight hours a day uh, sitting around and my body was not used to that and um, I started getting low back problems my girlfriend at the time she suggested uh, to just give yoga a try and at first I was not really convinced, but I said, well, I have to do something. So I started looking around, looking what the yoga studios here had to offer. Um, I, I found that yoga studios for what I was looking for uh, was a little bit too expensive for me. So I joined like university classes where I could basically get a, a semester pass for 30 euro. So I started doing yoga once a week. It was always Thursdays, the days that I had off. So um, at that time, we had changed my, my work hours a little bit. So I would always do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the mornings, Thursday all day so that I could have Fridays off because many times there was some, well, some competitions coming up or something and I had to travel on Friday. So we said it's, it's best that I get my work hours done before Friday that I could actually take three days off. So my, my day without training was a Thursday. Um, so I spent all day, eight hours uh, in the office. And then afterwards I came home and I was never really like feeling it. I, I didn't really want to go to, to the yoga class. I just wanted to hang out to chill at home. Um, but I never skipped a class. I always went and it did help um, not only my back, but I noticed already that something else kind of shifted. Like every time I came back, I was super happy that I had actually went and, and that I joined the classes. I was incredibly stiff. Uh, I was the only guy. Um, like I hated it while I was doing it, but afterwards there was this kind of glow. Um, I was just sitting on the couch making like a cup of green tea. And I had this feeling like something is happening with me. Um, and I wasn't able to explain it. And yeah, like I, I, kind of tried to hold on to it and additionally my back pain went away and then for four years it was basically an 
like an on and off relationship. Always in the fall, winter, I, I did have the time to um, join this yoga class once a week and then come spring. Of course, then after whatever that is, three, four, five months, when the back pain is gone and you feel like, okay, now I can stop doing yoga again. <laughs> I'm healed. And then there was so much other training and stuff and traveling going on that I didn't feel like joining the classes anymore. But of course, the back pain always came back and that, that basically happened for four years. And I already knew, like I probably already knew after a year of this, that once I um, give up sprinting, I wanted to dive deeper into yoga, um, not to teach, but to, to learn, to find out, to find an explanation for myself for what it is that makes me feel so amazing. Um, mm. and, then, and then that was, of course, coupled with um, the fear of spending an entire winter in Germany. Um, I'm very very weather sensitive and throughout my running career we would always go to florida south africa um some some warm places in december or january that would basically break the winter into two halves because like also psychologically makes it a lot easier like mm. the winter yeah. like you're okay. you're getting out of late fall <laughs> yeah you're getting out of late fall and you know come on bear with it it's just six more weeks and you get to go to South Africa. Then you're in the sun there for three weeks, four weeks, and you come back and it's freezing and cold, but it's fine because you just came back from South Africa. <laughs> and yeah. then you already know, come on, it's just another eight weeks and then spring is here and all will be good. So I was really afraid of spending an entire winter at that time in, in Berlin because Berlin winters can be super, super gray. For me, it's not the temperatures, the lack of light. Um, so that so what, coupled with my curiosity. Sorry, which which year was that? That, that was, was 2016. 2016. 2016. Were still active running professionally or? I had already retired. I, re okay. I retired. I actually retired professional running on my 30th birthday. Like you have to officially retire um, because of like all the anti-doping uh, procedures And they need to know that you're not planning on competing professionally anymore. So on my 30th birthday, actually from my hometown in the south of, of Germany, I rode my road bike across the Alps to Italy. That was just like 270 kilometers on my birthday. I wanted my 30th birthday to be something special. And in the morning at like 5 a.m., I filled out the form, retirement form. I put it into my jersey, my bike jersey, and I arrived in Italy and I stopped at a mailbox and I dropped the letter there. Uh, that was my official uh, retirement from, from uh, professional sports. So, What yeah, that cool was... Story. What a cool story. I'm glad you told us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and then um that was that was august and basically in september october i signed up for my first teacher training in bali and um that started like i left for bali um early january um and at the time i left i really had had no intention of teaching yoga Not at all. Like I, I wanted to pursue my professional business career. Um, I 
I did already like I did already have my own company. We were working in communications, IT stuff. Um, but yeah, I left for Bali for four weeks, and um, after uh, maybe two weeks into the into the training, I noticed wow, there there's now number one. I have all my explanations why it does feel so great, and number two, um, all this experience of professional sports like it would have been a bummer to kind of put it into a box take the box put it into the basement or into the attic and not touch it anymore there's so much experience there um that i felt like i i need to combine the two i need to combine yoga and my experience from professional sports and share it with people um and ideally with other uh, professional athletes because well now yoga is becoming more and more popular with athletes as well but still like i i believe we're still at a point where we're just barely scratching the surface um it it is still all on a physical level like you strengthen this part of the body you stretch that part of the body um i hear it and see it on social media again and again um people that say like oh after my nice run i did a few yoga exercises and i'm always like oh i'm about to explode like they are not <laughs> yoga exercises it's something different um so different. i think there there is a lot of work to do which is great um and i think there is a lot of wisdom that it's still um, um hidden from athletes or athletes are not able not willing uh to tap into that wisdom and and potential uh, as well mm. i believe hmm. yeah. so there are a few things i want to um dig into a little bit more so we are going to talk about more in depth about your new program yoga for athletes but i find it quite fascinating that you had this realization of combining your two worlds the sports world and the yoga world quite early then right so just I don't know, a week or two into your yoga teacher training. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's amazing. I think or that's another great example for how often we know something, but it takes just so much longer that we are ready to admit it completely, I guess, in in front of ourselves and then in front of others what was what what's your um estimation of that <laughs> yeah um yeah that 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 can be true um definitely um but on the other hand i'm i'm just right now thinking of there is this uh, legendary uh, steve jobs uh, commencement speech um I think it has millions of views on, on YouTube where he went to, uh, I don't remember what, which, which university it was, um, where he, he held a little speech. Um, and he said, you can only connect the dots looking back. Um, so many times we do things and as we, as we, um, go along and we, we walk on our paths, um, it's, It feels like it's random things, but then when we stop and we turn around and look what we've done in our lives, then we can just notice like, wow, this led to that. And like, 
this actually like like it's not it's not just coincidence um mm. like in a way one led to the other and that's how how we end up where we are right now and it's just like different building blocks coming together and i think that's also the case for me um that that i needed to go through those different processes um to to end up where i am today hmm yeah that's always the journey yeah um so you just said there's so much more wisdom in there and the athletes or the athletic and sports world is maybe a bit too um too hesitant still so is it is it more a hesitancy or is it something else that's kind of frightening them to to dive deeper what what do you think Poof, um that's 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 hard to to really say and that's probably like there there's probably different factors that play into it um number one is probably like the athletic world is all about numbers making everything trackable and objective um all about numbers like a 30 meter dash here how far can you jump how high how much weight and and you have to be able to put everything into numbers and there's mm -hmm. almost like a religion also built around science like um always like everybody's trying to get the edge like over their competitors always looking into the latest like research and and um looking to just like to find something that your opponent has not found yet um but on the other hand they are so focused on that that they are not willing or not able to look the opposite direction and yoga and in combination with Ayurveda, they are both two philosophies that um, are alive for thousands of years. And there's a reason why they're still around because they just simply work. If something doesn't work, it dies out. That is like evolution. If something doesn't work, it dies out. So it's still around for 5,000 years now or so. So there is, even though there is in many cases, no scientific proof um that it works it's still here um so it kind of does work we're just not able through a scientific lens to to explain why it works and i think um for many people that are so centered around those latest studies and latest findings um, um that it just sounds like bogus um mm. like some some hocus pocus um that they don't wanna wanna waste their time with and i've had like conversations with with people uh, and also like big companies that are around sports and yeah it's it's tough um it's a lot of like explaining to do there um they they need to understand first what what yoga and ayurveda really is because they also in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases, they don't want to listen. Um, they think they know what yoga is. And then mm. they already put it into a box um, and they're not not willing to really learn more. Um, they've already made their decisions. Um, so it is, 
it is a lot of work, um, a lot of uh, convincing, but I'm sure that over time, once um, there's more big names that are willing to say like, yes, it was meditation. Yes, it was my yoga practice. It was my pranayama. It was my um, dinacharya, my, my um, Ayurvedic daily routine um, that supported me in my quest and and that is why i won those medals um, and then once that happens i'm sure nobody will ask for any scientific papers anymore mm. because we have the living proof that it works yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah it's interesting how how focused we are on numbers and science and i mean Then again, what's science? If you feel something, that's your reality as well. Like, despite of numbers and facts and, yeah. Yeah. So um, taking what you've just said into account, what do you think, what is most needed or lacking in today's professional sports world that yoga and Ayurveda can provide? Um, probably seeing the athlete more holistically um there is like for a long time it has been all about the physical body um and over the last 10 15 maybe 20 years um people have now finally understood the the um, the role that the mind also plays in in the athlete's performance that is the first step but that we can go even further and seeing seeing the 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 athlete more holistically that there's not only the physical plane that there's also other as we as we um, say in yoga and ayurveda that there's more koshas that there's an energetic body that there's a the mind body um and also not only looking at the the training sessions themselves um, but that there's also a lot of things happening around um, around them, basically. Um, that you're not an athlete, um, only two or four or maybe six hours a day, that you're an athlete 24-7. Many people, many people always say like, oh, athlete is a 24-7 job. Um, but then, yeah, like how do you organize all this time um, outside and around your training sessions what what do you do there and yeah there is um certain specialists you have like a nutritionist then you maybe have the psychologist you're working with um then you maybe go into a physiotherapist but um they rarely work together um mm. so i think what is required is a, a protocol that weaves everything together. And that is something that Ayurveda can offer. Yeah. Yeah. There's still this, I mean, basically you can look at anything. There's still this um, deep or general compartmentalization or division between things. So a yeah. lot of the time we don't... Um, connect what we eat to how we feel and that's just one of the most simple things i mean if you eat a lot of sugar you it's 
likely that you feel a kind of crap, maybe bloated, or you have just a spinning mind or something, or, yeah. or you have like huge cravings, for example. Um, so I think it's super, super important to always see the connection, you know, and everything we do and everything we take in, there will be an effect in, in, in some other part of ourselves or our lives. Yeah. 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 And, and I would go even further than like your, your food example. I think the food stuff is something that many athletes have now understood, but even like on a, on a rest day, um, athletes are like, whatever, like I'm going to spend all day on the couch, watch Netflix, like watching Netflix all day or watching TV or DVD or whatever it is. It's not necessarily the, that it's about Netflix, but like <laughs> that also has an impact on you. And even what you watch, um, and that is all like um, sensory impressions coming in, being processed in the mind, and that has an effect on your body as well. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. So, diving a little bit deeper in your program, um, tell us what your new program, Yoga for Athletes, is about what maybe what your main aim with this is as well. And I'm sure that a lot of people, because you've, you've mentioned Ayurveda and a lot of people who are listening now might've heard about Ayurveda, but they don't have a proper image in their minds, what it is. Maybe they've heard, okay, it's something with food and it doesn't taste good. That's probably <laughs> what they know. That was my impression a few years ago. Once um, I was like, a while ago but I ordered an Ayurvedic soup and it tasted like nothing and I was like oh my gosh that's horrible I don't want any I don't want anything to eat that's Ayurvedic um, but it's not like that in fact and it's much much more than just food so yeah why don't you give us a, a little insight into your program and also why Ayurveda plays such a crucial role yeah. in it yeah then then let's actually start with the with the Ayurveda part of the question yeah. so Ayurveda Ayurveda is translates to the science of life or the science of or wisdom of longevity um, and it dates back also to the Vedas uh, roughly 5,000 years and the the main idea is that there's three energies in the universe that create the five elements that we have we have ether we have air we have fire we have water and we have earth and in the manifest world everything is put together by those five elements and in our body in our mind whenever there's um, those elements coming together they create um, forces again three forces um, those are called the doshas um, We have, and you might have heard that before, we have Vata, we have Pita, we have Kaf. All of them have different qualities, different functions, but we need all of them. And when we're born, actually when we're conceived, um, that is the moment uh, where the decision is made how they are balanced within us. Maybe some people have more Pita, other people have more Vata. Maybe there's one dominating, maybe there's two dominating. There's a few people where they're all... Um, um, balanced even and 
as we move through life, as we do things, as we interact with our environment, there's always the tendency that um, this natural constitution gets out of balance. Actually, dosha translates to that which tends to get out of balance. Um, so, for example, coming back to, to um, the Netflix uh, binge watching. Mm. Um, yeah, good examples. <laughs> that, yeah, that or, or eating spicy food. Spicy food drives up your pita. Binge watching drives up your water. Um, and that is okay. That is normal. Like we cannot sit in a, in a, a dark room 24 seven and completely away from any kind of influences. So that is normal. Um, but then there's many, sometimes many factors that come together and they both work into the, the same direction. And all of a sudden, it's like an avalanche that is, is uh, taking off. And whenever we're too long out of balance, um, too long and far away from our natural constitution, that is when um, disease begins to manifest. So the first few stages, uh, it's called um, Shat Kriyakala, is the, is the progression um, into disease. There's actually six stages and the first three are, are natural. Um, you, after a while, you'll be able to notice them in you, in other people, and you can take uh, countermeasures where Western science would not even acknowledge this as disease. Um, disease starts later on when it begins to actually manifest in the physical body. And that is most of the times when it's already too late. Um, and mm, Western okay. medicine, in, in many cases, they just work on the symptom. But the mm -hmm. disbalance is somewhere underneath, and that is the root. Um, that's what actually uh, triggered the disease in the first case to to form. So, so can I can I jump in here? So, if we have the scale from one to six, and you said so, there there's an imbalance developing, and it's probably at stage five or six that it's turning into a disease that would be able to be detected by yeah. West medicine um do you have an example for an athlete what what could happen so what could he or she for example um well live or do that causes an imbalance like like i said um the most important thing is already to to know what action causes which uh of the doshas to to become aggravated that is number one and um like i said it could be anything um it could be eating popcorn popcorn is dry it's dry so if i'm light. an athlete and i i do yeah. my training you, i get the massage you spend your rest day yeah you spend your rest day on the couch watching netflix um eating popcorn um, then maybe um, you travel a lot. You travel from competition to competition. So travel also aggravates vata. Movement in general, like excessive movement, also um, drives okay. up vata. And that is just, then it begins to add up all of those things. Also very excessive, um, very excessive uh, training and, or physical exertion um, has an impact on your digestion, your digestive fire. And then it's just like speeding up the process. Those are, are definitely things. Um, and just being aware of them, then you can 
like you don't have to change everything just being aware like okay you you do want to binge watch some shows then maybe don't eat the popcorn with it but eat something different um i mean there's something that you cannot work around if you're a professional athlete you need to train and um, you if move. you want to go yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you need to move and um you need to go to competitions because like there's no point in training if you don't go to places to compete um but just being aware of it and what it takes to uh, counter counter it because at the end of the day it's all about balancing it out yeah yeah that's a good example and i think a lot of people can relate to it even not being an athlete everyone can relate to lying on a couch for a day watching netflix eating popcorn or some crackers and yeah so this is all yeah. adding up into the into one direction in this case vata and then yeah. you want to do or to incorporate other elements in your life that actually help you counter that vata tendency so maybe eating something more mushy and warm that would be more like exactly a whole different energy countering that yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's also like once i was able to understand this i was once again like a few years before with the yoga i was like wow this is actually what athletes need that is the general principle of what training is about to when you train you get your body out of balance like you you exhaust your body so that there is some physical adaptations happening so that you're coming back into a state of balance and of course that happens quicker when your doshas are balanced um, because then the body can focus on the physical regeneration. When you go to a competition, um, there there might be a little bit of a disbalance. And I mean, the, that's the great thing in this case about the English language. Uh, this ease, like we have a lack of ease. Like it doesn't have to be like physically manifested yet, but you feel like something is a little bit off. So Actually, the language already tells us, even though it's not physically manifested yet, there's something off. So we're already lacking a little bit of ease and you need this kind of ease to be able to perform, to, to give your 100%. Yeah. And it's great that you um, take that word and explain it because that was one of the aha moments for me as well in my yoga studies that when I read it like this, like this slash ease, or well, not slash, but minus ease. I was like, huh, there's so much, so much feeling and knowledge in, like in that word, you're like, okay, that makes absolutely sense. And you know where it comes from. And you get a new, I guess you get a new relationship to disease because you don't see it as this oh my gosh i have a cold i'm lying in bed or i have a broken arm but no it might actually start with yeah as you said feeling a little bit off feeling yeah. not a hundred percent over maybe several weeks or yeah. just like having a blocked nose or whatever it might be Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and many times when we look at, at health, 
it's like at least from a like western perspective it's just black and white like mm. like when you think about yourself in your own life was there ever a time where you said like i was in like complete health like there was nothing that was bothering you physically or mentally like i don't think well maybe that is just me like as a as a former professional athlete there's always something going on so like <laughs> you're you're never like fully healthy there's always this slight imbalance a little bit of lack of of ease always a little bit of disease yeah mm. so if someone's interested in your new program hearing all of this how can you help them how do you help them i guess detect such imbalances is it that they get ayurvedic knowledge from your side or how do you guide them through your program yeah so so the the program what i'm what i'm generally offering um is number one a regular yoga class already um um, targeted towards the needs of athletes um, that is the easiest way to to get in touch and to already begin to to experience the power of yoga and ayurveda um, it's just a, a class a group class um, where whoever wants can can get a pass and, and just join log in through zoom um, and then i do offer consultations and in those consultations it's basically somewhere around 60 to 90 minutes um, of interviewing um, that I will get to know the athlete, basically everything that is going on, starting, of course, with height, weight, so on, any kind of symptoms that they're currently, like, see themselves faced with. Um, then we have different questionnaires to... to um, to find out about their natural constitution so that we can already see what what is the natural constitution and um, what does the current delta look like um, like where are you where is there like a, a a gap in between the natural constitution and your current constitution um, then we will assess if there's any ama so-called ama how the digestion is working And based on that, um, there will be recommendations um, regarding food, what to eat, what what kind of products, tastes, uh, spices to better stay away from. Um, many athletes love coffee, um, but in most cases, I'm sorry to say, coffee is maybe not the best. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm well yeah, aware so of that. Yeah, all um, coffee, then, lover, coffee lovers are like, no, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then there, there's maybe some recommendations for body work as well. Something that is great is like um, um, oil massages. Um, and then really depending on, on the athlete, on their uh, daily routine. Um, and what I'm also giving them is a, um, a yoga practice, a pre-recorded class that is tailored to their needs. Um, mm -hmm that they can practice and ideally they should practice it if not every day if not every morning then um, at least three to four times a week um, where we can also address like some some physical issues as well 
um, something that is very hard to do in a public class because whenever you have like, well, more than one person, <laughs> um, you will be able to offer something that helps one person but might not help another person. Um, and in a one-on-one one -on setting, that is actually how yoga was originally taught. It was always a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you have a teacher and you have one student and the teacher knows the student and um, and gives the student exactly what he or she she needs. Um, and so by working one-on-one, -on -one, you really have the opportunity to work with the athlete on all uh, levels. Mm -hmm. And of course, there will be there will be like a uh, a paper of all the uh, collected recommendations. And I already know as an athlete, um, like you don't follow all of those recommendations, but only the awareness of what it is that helps you and what it is that maybe impacts you negatively will make a huge change. Um, maybe the athlete will still go and have his fast food, um, but maybe the athlete might not get the extra spicy sauce or whatever. That can already mm. be an improvement. Um, and it's just like an uh, accumulation of small and tiny things that added up together will make a big difference. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I think it's also something that um, goes beyond the athletic career. That's something that, that I got to experience in the beginning. I started with yoga because I wanted it to help me with my training, with my competitions, to make me a better athlete. Um, but now I'm still practicing yoga. I actually got deeper into it. And from where I'm standing right now, I, I can say that it did not only make me a better athlete, it actually helped me even after my career to make me a better, better human. Um, so that is also something that I'm, I'm wishing for with my program that, that athletes don't just drop Ayurveda and yoga once they retire from professional sports that they say like, wow, I'm so thankful. Uh, back then I used it to become a better athlete, but it has so much more to offer and it will guide me through the rest of my life. That is, that is really something that I'm, I'm really hoping for. Hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. And I think m most people who, get in touch with yoga well if they get in touch with the right yoga maybe i shouldn't say but with the true yoga they will i guess they will stick with it because they will just feel the amazing power and magic that's in there but it's um it's it's interesting to hear it again from you and and hearing your story that for you it was as it is, I guess, for most people, first they get in touch with it on a physical level. It's often that we want to do, that we want to stretch a certain part of our body or that we just don't feel like enough movement. That's how we start with yoga. And then hopefully at one point we discover, oh, there's more to it. It's actually way, way deeper. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe for the listeners, so we talked about Ayurveda. I think it's uh, we. Well, hopefully, everyone's got a good first image of what it is and why you are so passionate about it. 
but now help them make this link. So why Ayurveda, but you would call it yoga for athletes, make the connection so everyone understands. So the the connection is that that both uh, traditions, yoga and Ayurveda, is uh, rooted in the Vedas. Um, That's number one. Yesterday, I actually watched a, a video by Dr. Frawley, and he said that yoga developed out of, sorry, that Ayurveda developed out of yoga as a healthcare system. Um, to me, in the context of pre- professional sport, I actually see it the other way, that everything is Ayurveda and yoga is a part of it. Like yoga is a tool just like food, nutrition is, just like body work is, uh, self-massage, just like a tool, like um, like herbs can be, medicinal herbs. Um, so there is a number of, of columns in there that are holding the house of Ayurveda together. And for me, definitely in the context of, of sport, yoga is one of those columns. Hmm. But it's probably more known than Ayurveda. And so it's a good idea to call it yoga because every, anyone knows exactly. what. Okay, good. Exactly. That's, that's why, that's why I called it yoga for athletes. Um, because otherwise people just don't know where to put it. <laughs> yeah. Or they will be like, Ooh, what's that? Ayurveda? I don't know. <laughs> Do yeah. I need that? <laughs> maybe over time i'll be able to uh like rename it but i have a little bit more work to do until then (laughs) let's talk about the mind Mm -hmm. a bit more um yoga as we know it because um maybe for the listeners we've kind of connected over the same teachings and the same school on Bali so we share that passion Um, and the mind plays a big role I mean it's it's ultimately it's about the mind yoga is about the mind so how can yoga for athletes or just the yoga you're offering help people and athletes in these times with their mindset because um, when we chatted last week, you said, oh, there's, you know, athletes are preparing for a race or a competition, but they don't even know if it's happening. And with yeah. that, there's like the ultimate goal is breaking away. So yeah. how how can yoga help? Yeah, um, how can yoga help? So. Um, for, for for those of the listeners who, who don't know what what i'm teaching is tantric hatha yoga so we have basically um we're drawing from two different pools of teachings uh, one is hatha yoga the other one is tantra tantra is more concerned about energy and the movement of energy um and i would kind of like push that more into the Ayurveda side of things of, of balancing the body and everything. And then now we're looking at the mind and that is Hatha yoga. So Hatha yoga, sometimes also 
um, under the, the big title of uh, Raja Yoga, the royal path, um, is concerned with the mind. Um, one of the, the most important books here is Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, and he defines uh, yoga as yoga chitta vritti niroda. Yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of the mind, basically making the mind be quiet. And I think for, for everyone, for everyone, it can be beneficial to be able to quieten the mind. Um, we're in a, in a society right now where everybody's just hustling. Um, I don't know, but whenever I talk to a friend, I call them up after a month or two and I say, how's it going? Yeah, a lot to do, a lot to do, but everything is good. Like everybody's just busy, busy. I have a lot to do, but life is great. I have a lot to do. Like nobody ever says like, I'm actually very bored. Well, maybe now with Corona, but even We're with Corona. Relaxed. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we're always up in our heads. We're always thinking here and there and different stories going on. And I know like I'm probably the best example of it. Like I remember going to competitions on a train. I I'm like, the, or used to be the biggest daydreamer of them all. Like I could sit on a train for five hours, just watch out the window and have a uh, look out of the window and have my entire movie going on in my head. And I think I'm not the only one. Um, and does it do us any good? Probably not. Um, because when we're thinking, when we're up in our head, we're either thinking about the past, which we cannot change, or we're thinking about the future, which doesn't exist yet. Um, so there's actually no point. We're never, we're never spending any time in the present moment. And being able to quieten the mind, to just turn down the volume a little bit allows you to be more in the present moment and at the same time of course it allows you to focus more and focus is something i believe we're we're really lacking nowadays um mm. totally with our computers 25 tabs open at the same time a video um, running YouTube, <laughs> yeah, you, YouTube video running in one tab so that you can hear the the video, the sound while you're reading something else, and at the end of the day, you're you're like <laughs> draining yourself without getting anything done properly. Um, so that is something that everybody will be able to profit from being able to quieten the mind, to be fully immersed in what you're doing right now. And of course, for an athlete, focus, like focus is more important than anything else. Like for me as a former 400 meter runner, like I needed to be focused for every single step that I took. Like you don't do the first three steps, like with the maximum explo explosivity that you have, like it doesn't matter what happens on the next 300 steps you're already like behind um so you need that kind of focus um not only in competition in everyday training um and and then of course comes with it a, a certain level of stability because this yoga chitta yoga chitta vritti niroda doesn't only mean 
we're not thinking at all. There might still be thoughts going on, but we're not attached to the thoughts. So it is an ultimate realization of there is thoughts, there is a body, but there is a part of me um, that remains unaffected by whatever changes there are going on. And that is what you mentioned before. This, I start preparing for a competition, and right now during corona times, I don't even know if that competition is going to happen. So in a way, um, this detachment allows you to be a little bit more relaxed, be a little bit more stable. Um, yeah. You prepare for a competition for five months and then they cancel it or they, they catch you with a positive Corona test or something. Yeah. So be it. Um, I'm not going to die. There's a part in me that remains, um, remains the same that is everlasting. So, um, even though this is a more or bigger philosoph philosophical topic, um, over time, that is something um, that, that an athlete can profit from as well. Yeah, and as you said, not being attached to the outcome. So if you can at least incorporate part of that, you know, it's not only about the competition. It's also about the journey and what I'm doing here and now and every day. So, yeah, I, th I believe that, that. That is true. Yeah. yeah. That is true, I but I would never go out and tell an athlete. <laughs> it's not about, well, no, it's not about yeah. how you do in your world championships. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I would never go and say it exactly that way to an athlete, but at one point the athlete will recognize, um, maybe when they retire, maybe a few years later, But it's not like I'm also not like thinking about this and that race. Um, it is about the journey. Um, there is amazing competitions. There's um, completely messed up competitions. There will be canceled competitions where you come, have to come up with a plan B. Um, but if you look at it on a grander scale, it is about the path and what this professional sports career does for you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I like how you said that. Ah, oh, so good. I mean, I believe that we could um, give a good image of what you were offering and of what yoga and Ayurveda are about and why they can actually help so many people. And uh, maybe if you're listening now and you always thought, oh, that's nothing for me, that's too shishi or too bogus or hocus pocus or whatever maybe you give it a try and it's yeah just try it <laughs> and then you can judge <laughs> yeah and really there's people coming to yoga and to ayurveda for so many different reasons and um you can have a, a room of full of 10 people and everybody comes with a different intention um, but mm -hmm. then they are still practicing the same thing and everybody gets something, something else out of it. So it's not only that one thing. Um, so, so I'm really, 
like encouraging everyone to to give it a shot not only once because for it to really land um you have to do it a second a third maybe a fifth and tenth time but um especially people that are new to yoga there's so much again in their heads like where do i put my foot where do i uh ooh, and the breath and this and that so it can be very overwhelming in the beginning but again it's not about like getting anywhere um so so just go with the flow and, and enjoy the uh, the process and there will mm. be this one moment where it, it just clicks and you know like wow this this is amazing yeah mm. and i mean you're offering this one-on-one -on -one and a tailored yoga class so i think that's really also an amazing advantage that people have or people get when they come to you not yeah yeah definitely not because there there is a difference i know from experience that there clearly is a difference of doing a random yoga class online or doing a class that is actually fitting your needs so yeah yeah, yeah where definitely. can people find you and the program Of course, online. <laughs> um, <Okay, that's> good. <laughs> the, the webpage, the, the URL is uh, www.achebe.de. So, okay. Ger German URL. And then there, there's the webpage. Um, there's a blog that I run together with my partner. Uh, I think by now there should be around 120 like in-depth articles about yoga and ayurveda um it's it's has already turned into kind of a knowledge base um we're like cross-referencing um so for everybody that wants to to learn about yoga about us and our story and everything um there's already a lot uh, a lot to read um i can i can really recommend that mm -hmm. Cool. So I'll put a link to your website in the show notes for sure. And so people can find you and yeah. And the program. So you're already offering yoga for us. It's athletes, already. Right? Yes. Already yes. Offering We're already offering every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Uh, CET, Central European time. Good. Amazing. And also classes um are always being recorded so for everyone that is not able to join on thursday evenings once you're registered for the class you will get the recording afterwards so if thursday evening doesn't work for you if you're in a different time zone you will get the video and then you can practice it on your own the next uh, couple of days amazing thank you so i really um hope that we could convince you that it's not just about the sprint but about timeless performance <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. thank you so much for being here for taking the time and for your beautiful and powerful words Jonas <laughs> thank you very much thanks for having me yeah, been it was fun. fun yeah <laughs> All right. thank you I hope you enjoyed this conversation and I told you Jonas has a special offer for you. So if you're intrigued now, if you're interested in having a snoop into yoga, um, 
trying it out, you can get 30% off your yoga class. Simply use the code CATSPODCAST30. CATSPODCAST30 to get 30% off your first booking. And this could either be a single class or a class pack. You find Jonas' offer on his website, which is www.achebe.de slash y4a. This is www.acebe.de slash y4a. And I've put a link to it in the show notes as well. So just go to the show notes, click on the link, and this will get you straight to Jonas' website. And once you're there, you simply have to sign up and you're good to go. This offer, 30% of your first booking, is valid until the 31st of March. All right. And if you like this episode, if you feel that this podcast is bringing something good into the world, then... Do me a favor and share it with friends or family members. Just send them the episode via WhatsApp or your personal um, messenger or just um, send them a link via email. Just share it with them. That is helping me immensely to grow my listenership and to inspire more people to tune in. And for those of you who are listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Do me a favor and leave a five-star rating. That would be amazing. Again, and if you feel really, really inspired, write a little review. It takes only a minute or two. First subscribe and click on those five stars. And then just write a few words why you like this episode or why you like this podcast. Thank you so much. All right, wishing everyone a very happy weekend now or a very good day whenever you're tuning in and I hope to see you here next time. Bye-bye.